0: We strapped some sensors, some cameras onto my old uh, Cub Cadet riding lawn tractor and drove around a little bit just to sort of prove out and, and get a sense for what it looks like when you have cameras on a lawnmower. How bouncy it is, you know? Can you get texture off of the grass? Is it too noisy? All of these things. But really quickly, we, you know, Davis and I looked at from the hardware and the software perspective, what do we need to do to bring this to fruition? The number one thing that matters for our customers, and if you go to Scytherobotics.com, it's the headline message is get more work done with the crew you
1: already have. That is it. this is the ProCo 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting ProCo 360 because I love Colorado and getting to know the leaders of Colorado's most interesting and entrepreneurial communities. Today's episode features Jack Morrison, founder and CEO of Colorado-based Site I started seeing stories about Scythe and was really pretty intrigued. Then Sylvie, their PR person, reached out and we got this thing set up. So sometimes it works that way. If you're a PR person, you got a great guest for ProCo 360, reach out to us. Um, but anyway, getting back to Scythe, it's a Longmont-based uh, Colorado company that has invented a battery-powered autonomous commercial lawnmower. Let me say that again. Anyway, Scythe. This is a Longmont, Colorado company that has invented a battery-powered autonomous commercial lawnmower. I love it because it solves a bunch of problems at once, and they have a pay-as-you-use-it pricing model, which aligns them with their customers. They're doing a lot right, and they have 7,000, actually over 7,000 units now on pre-order. So, Jack, thanks for joining me on ProCo 360. Great to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. Love the podcast and excited to be a guest. Good. I, you know, I I really am excited about a bunch of stuff about Scythe. First, though, you you know, I gave a background. Why don't you give me yours about the company?
0: Sure. Um, so, personally, my background's in computer vision and robotic software. I've been working for a decade on a whole bunch of different types of applications from drones to AR, VR, and indoor robotics. And for the last about four and a half years, myself, my two co founders, Davis and Isaac, have been building Scythe Robotics. Um, our mission is to change everything about how we take care of all our outdoor space. We think humanity deserves better tools than manually operated gas
1: powered lawn and garden equipment. And Scythe is our attempt to bring that to life. That's cool. Later on, we're going to sort of as we wrap, I wanted to ask you some questions about what other kinds of products and things like that. But first, it seems like, you know, with your fundamental product, the the uh, autonomous battery-powered lawnmower, commercial lawnmower, seems like you're solving multiple problems at once. I mean, worker availability is a big deal. Environmental is a big deal. Um, cost efficiency is a big deal. Right? So how do you approach solving three problems at once?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are all huge problems for landscapers. We look at it from the perspective of improving our care of the environment. And, and landscapers are really the the workforce, the industry that is caring for all of our domesticated green space around the country and around the world and looking at their biggest challenges. And over the last sort of decade, the biggest one has always been the labor crisis, just the availability of labor, like you said, trying to find people. Then fuel costs have been a really big one, and that plays right into the environmental angle of things. And costs just generally have been prohibitive for, uh, you know, increasing the amount of green space we have in the world. And and we're really excited to help tackle all of those. And and when we looked at, you know, the, the best way to solve that from a sort of, uh, technological aspect or angle, um, automation and actually automating some of the lower value work that they do out there, you know, going back and forth in straight lines to turn tall grass into short grass really stood out as a huge opportunity that was technologically feasible you know, it, it, it's been a few years, but we've got a product that can solve that problem for them today. Uh, unlike mm-hmm.
1: some other robotics and automation, uh, well, the challenges. Cool thing, yeah. I mean, the cool thing about a robotic lawnmower is that, come on, you're, if it's massively easier than a robotic vehicle, for yeah, example, exactly. I mean, you can't really hurt somebody. Um, I I've seen the demo too. And like, if a cat walks in front, it'll stop or something, but I mean, yeah, really. There's the dangerous aspects of autonomy. Like they just don't exist, right? Yeah. Well, so uh, there are plenty of. Uh,
0: you know, we have to be really concerned about safety. We have a thousand pound machine with spinning blades that is cutting grass. But what's much easier about it, and, and what's uh, what allows us to be much safer, much sooner than on road vehicles is the the way we work. So if we slam on the brakes because we see something in front of us, that's huh.
1: totally fine. And it doesn't matter. There's no one behind you. There's no one around you. It exactly. just doesn't we matter. Won't, we yeah. won't get
0: rear-ended. We can always come to a stop. We can play yeah, it safe. Yeah, yeah. We can be very conservative. And that's very different from a lot of higher speed on-road uh, yeah, yeah, applications, yeah, yeah. even sidewalk applications. And sure. so that allows us to get out into the field, to get this experience and to get working and and solving
1: problems for our customers much sooner. That's it. I hadn't thought about that, you know, as as we we're as I was preparing to have this conversation. But the 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 low barrier to the technology adoption because the safety isn't really come on, it's just not really that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, it's. it's I mean, I get it. You got to say it's a big. I, lawn, know, it. Lawn is, I know. Lawn mowing is lawn mowing is a shockingly dangerous uh, profession and and task to be done. There's dozens, I think, if not hundreds, of deaths every year from lawnmowers because they roll over, they've got yeah, these yeah, yeah. blades on them. And, yeah. and so we need to be very safe. We need to put safety first, but but we can do that in a way that allows us to learn really quickly yeah. that's hard in other applications. Yeah. So it's been super exciting.
1: Well, it, I, I can see where it is. I could, uh, I'm getting more excited about the opportunity too because of the the environment that you get to work in uh, versus this. uh, I want to get into this bet that I have with a friend about autonomous vehicles. So, um, but I wish I'd bet him on on autonomous lawnmowers. I would have won already. Would have been a good one. (laughs) It would have. um, You've been quoted as being passionate about connecting computers with the physical world. If you had to quantify, I know you're going to say you can't do this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you had to quantify the value added by software versus hardware in your product, to making it a really viable product out in the world. Is it, to what extent is it software and to what extent is it hardware that really enables this? You know, I you're right. I, I don't think I can put a,
0: a number on it because they, it all feeds into itself. You know, it's a, it's a closed system where the hardware gets better. That enables new advances from the software. The software gets better. That enables new learnings from the hardware and improvements to the hardware. And so they're really and and you know there's a third angle to that which is our you know when I look internally at Scythe, our field operations team who is putting these machines out there in the field who's doing that learning who's getting all of that experience and so all three of those parts of the company really mm-hmm. feed into each but other
1: couldn't anybody invent a lawnmower I mean it's, isn't the secret sauce in the software that
0: drives it yeah, you know, I, the way I describe it to people is it's sort of an iceberg. So, the tip of the iceberg is the really amazing work that, like, our computer vision team, our machine learning engineers, motion planning engineers have done. That's really visible. You can see, you know, how they understand the world around it, how the machine can maneuver on slopes. That's really visible. But underneath that is this foundation of all of the data collection, the positioning, and the robustness of the cameras, the uh, reliability of the hardware and the you know motor specs and the motor controllers and all of mm. this that plays together and and you yeah. don't see all of that but it is fundamentally the enabling technology for those fancy bits at the top yeah. that are really obvious and that that do push the needle forward so it's sort of yes the the hardest uh, part maybe or the most novel part is yeah. this computer vision this machine learning mm. this robotic mm-hmm. software. Everything else underneath it needs to be done right. And that's why we're building it from the ground up. That's why we're not taking, you know, I won't name other brands, any off-the-shelf mowers and strapping sensors to it. Because really it has to be co-designed. It has to be built in a way that enables that little bit at the top to Mm -hmm. do its fancy stuff by, you know, having those engineers talking to everybody else on the team.
1: Uh, I'm going to take a quick break because I want to continue to dive into that. But first, want to remind listeners: this is ProCo three hundred and sixty, named best Denver podcast three years running, and the last two years named best Colorado business podcast. I'm your host Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Jack Morrison of Colorado-based Scythe. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about inventing. This product, because when you started the the notion of inventing an, I guess you started with the idea of an autonomous mower, right?
0: Yeah, that that was sort of the kernel for all of Scythe was, uh, frankly, mowing my own lawn outside Niwot up uh, near Boulder, and we had an acre and a half property, took a couple hours every weekend, and I just sort of had a light bulb moment where I realized it could connect to this computer vision and the hardware that my co founder Davis had been designing uh, at our previous company. With this massive market need of labor to do things like mowing lawns across mm. the country, you know there's forty million acres of turf grass in this country, so multiply yeah. my couple of hours yeah. every weekend by forty million, and that's sort of the scale of the opportunity that we're yeah. talking about and and so that seemed that that seeded this whole thing but but like I said, we've gone broader, and really the mission goes well beyond mowing, but mowing always seemed like this great place to start for us
1: so you Did you just sort of jerry-rig your own version at home?
0: Uh, We strapped some sensors, some cameras onto my old uh, Cub Cadet riding lawn tractor and drove around a little bit just to sort of prove out and and get a sense for what it looks like when you have cameras on a lawnmower, how bouncy it is, you know, can you get texture off of the grass? Is it too noisy? All of these things. But really quickly, we, you know, when Davis and I looked at from the hardware and the software perspective, what do we need to do to bring this to fruition? It it did make sense to strap things onto another mower. So at
1: what point did you say, like, let's turn this into something? Like how, how much of a product did you have? So different from software, right? You just create a minimum viable product, bang, bang, bang. A couple weeks later, you start playing around with it. Not that way. Yeah, we, we had nothing.
0: Um, We had a yeah, we basically had nothing when we left our, our jobs before. Uh, went out, raised a pre-seed round from some great folks How in much was San that? Francisco. Uh, $750,000. So,
1: so did you have anything working? Did you show them your club cadet? I mean, <laughs> I mean really, what was it?
0: Uh, we had a pitch deck and a prototype of a – non-contact moisture sensor that we'd filed a a patent around. We had an early idea of doing a very scoped down data collection system to prove out the machine learning side of things before we went to the hardware was sort of this, get an MVP to to what you were saying before, really focus on that MVP. But what we realized was we really needed to just go for the full size robot right off the bat because A, that's exciting. That gets a team excited. That gets investors excited and b it was you know it's a big problem to take on building that for a yeah. robot, and we didn't want to delay that at all, oh. so we so
1: so why you know I hadn't thought about a machine learning aspect. I thought basically it was a it was people learning how to program the machine. what's the machine learning that you're talking about
0: yeah, so the computer vision on the machine is a combination of two different approaches, so it's geometric, you know sort of um what some people will say, old school computer vision of, I know what the shape is because I can do the math. I know what these cameras are. I know what the shape of the world around me is. I can track my motion through the world. And then the machine learning side of things, which is understanding the semantics of the world around you. So that's a cup, that's a tree branch, that's a person versus a dog or, you know, a. dog versus a park bench. That's yeah. really hard to tell from geometry alone, from the shape of things. And so it's really important to train the system to understand what things are, not just mm. how they're shaped.
1: So when you're talking about machine learning, you're talking about at a systemic level, as opposed to each machine learning. Yes. as a, Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: sort of AI and uh, you know the machines understanding the world around them. That's really yeah. important for them to behave safely. What's great is As any machine goes out and collects more imagery of the world, sees new things, that actually goes back, trains a new neural network, and gets shared across all of the machines across the entire
1: fleet over time. So, in in a sense, they're like Tesla's in that you can push software updates. Very very similar. That's
0: certainly been inspired by some of their approaches to you know unsupervised uh, data collection and and. Getting new uh, experiences from the machines that are already out in the world, and like I was saying, that's one of the benefits to being able to be really conservative in our safety story, and and mm-hmm. just get machines out there that we know are safe, but are uh, you know maybe aren't as performant in the earliest days as they will be mm-hmm. in a couple years, but it it's okay. They're still they're getting work done for customers.
1: Well, that always that always I always wonder about that because you know clearly you know the newest whatever is better than the than prior generations, you know? And so to the extent that you can release products early and then have them upgradable automatically, that's super cool. What's Thanks the exactly. life of one of these? Yeah, we're targeting five to seven
0: years yeah. for a mower, which is extremely long for a commercial lawnmower. Is it, Most is it, commercial lawnmowers are replaced within two or three wow. years. And yeah, a lot yeah, of that's yeah. due to their you know internal combustion engine systems. Well, everything's belts, shaking and, and rattling
1: and moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of moving parts on yeah. a gas lawnmower, yeah. about
0: 300 by our count. We have about 30 moving parts wow. because we're battery powered. Yeah.
1: So how close is what you're, what you're selling now to what you initially thought was like, okay, we're ready to go to market.
0: I think this, the product, the fifth generation M.52 that we're building today is, is really our first, okay, this is a pre-production machine. This is ready for customers to use. This is the form factor, the capabilities, the features that our customers need to, you know, minimally viably get the mowing done safely on their properties. But the
1: thing that always, that, that would like freak me out is okay, you've got this, what do they, they sell for? So like you said, we do a usage-based uh, rental uh, model. And you can't tell me your cost, obviously, or can you? Can you give me a range, like give me a sense or give the listeners a sense of what these things cost?
0: Yeah, so it's, you know, dozens of dollars per acre, basically. Dozens of dollars per acre. So per. really what our goal here is, is to save landscapers around 40% per acre on their mowing costs yeah, over that. having a person doing that same work. That allows them to... Take the people they already have, put mm-hmm. them on different work, but still save costs and, and gain predictability. Right. With but that
1: it. means that means that you're delivering product that costs thousands of dollars per unit. Mm-hmm. You're delivering it without any cash getting paid. Yeah, so, so pretty pretty small upfront just for shipping, right. basically. But that means that means that Scythe has to have a lot of money in the bank. Uh, in order to scale. Yep, there's you've got to deliver some... you've got you've got six or seven figures of inventory out before you start getting a, a subscription based payment model.
0: Yep. And then we take that risk on and, and we are building a machine that solves their problems and the economics look
1: yeah just yeah. fine
0: for us. Well although, we're we're really interested in in making sure our customers are getting value yeah, out of this or although
1: different from like Peloton uh, where people get tired of using something in your case, this is a perpetual demand. Exactly. So um, I can see where once you get rolling, you know, it's pretty cool. All right. I'm going to shift gears to, uh, to selling. Cause my perception is that like professionals in the landscaping business, like this isn't really an industry of early adopters. You know, they're not looking for new cool stuff. They're not looking for new cool ways to, to cut grass Um, unless maybe you're like the Steve Jobs of landscaping, you know, I mean, really, how do you cut through to this audience? Do you have to start with like the big sophisticated players and then work your, how do you do it? Yeah. You know, I'd push back on that. I
0: think there's a lot of really innovative folks in this industry. Um, One of our you know, closest partners who has been giving us uh, suggestions for years now is the CTO of a landscaping company out on the East Coast.
1: Yeah. But just by having a CTO, that means they're not like a, they're not the the mom and pop you know twenty person company. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. We're not really targeting the smallest landscapers out there. So the landscaping industry, there's about a hundred thousand landscaping firms in this country. About ninety five thousand of those do less than a million dollars a year. So that's mm-hmm. you know a couple guys, a couple yeah. trucks, not your um, audience mowing yet. mowing home lawns. Usually, we're yeah. really targeting that commercial segment, which is about five thousand landscapers across the domestic U.S. that mow larger properties. And and those folks are, you know, suffering these labor pains. They're yeah. all trying to grow their businesses. And so they're really excited about anything that can help them yep. to get their workers doing more high value work. And that has been for a long time, they've been told robotics and, and mowing, uh, robotic mowers are coming. And so they've been really, they're ready. really excited to see what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Now uh, I want to take a quick break and remind listeners again, uh, this is Proco 360. I want to thank our sponsors, VIA Technologies. Really appreciate them hosting Proco 360. You can go to proco360.com to check out the site and uh, Clint and the VIA team are keeping it running. It's data heavy and I really appreciate those guys. Kinsley Meetings, Steve and Allison Kinsley have said that since the pandemic has eased, Meetings are booming and they're even more complex than ever. So call them for help. They're really great. And uh, Steve's also a super fun guy. So make sure you reach out. Also appreciate our partnership with Colorado Biz Magazine. Really excited to expand our audiences together. Go to proco 360com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. So getting back to my episode with Jack Morrison – CEO of Colorado-based Scythe. And I want to talk about, we've we've been talking some about selling, but I also wanted to, um, you know, talk about the idea that Scythe is a pay-as-you-go service. You've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. I think it's kind of intriguing. You want to talk about how that works? Yeah. So
0: basically, landscapers will use M.52 just like they use any other- M.52 is is, the model. M.52 is our mower. Uh, It's our autonomous 52-inch wide commercial all-electric a fully autonomous lawn mower. So they'll use M.52 just like they would any other mower in their fleet today. They'll put it on their trailers every morning, drive it to, you know, two to ten sites in a day, let it do the mowing. That's the big difference, right? Is mm-hmm. it's doing the mowing, largely the mowing for them. But the difference for us is we don't sell that outright. We don't, you know, force them to pay. $100,000 for this uh, new piece of technology. We instead have them pay by the acres mode. So if a machine mows 10 acres every day for a month, then they'll owe us, you know, for that 200 uh, acres worth of mowing. And, and what that does really is align our incentives with their incentives. They want a machine that gets as much work done as fast as possible with a good quality of cut. And we want a machine that gets mowing done because that's how we get paid. And and yeah. that trickles throughout the entire organization. I think that's really important is that all incentives across the organization point to helping our customers rather than nickel and diming them on parts or service or yeah. getting them to yeah. replace
1: their machines earlier. So all they really have to do is get it there. They have to keep the blades sharp and they have to keep the batteries charged.
0: Yep. And the tire's inflated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, in my experience, and, and Billy, your marketing guys here in the next room, but- my experience selling solutions to like three simultaneous problems is kind of a messy sales message just kind of like and it does this for you and it does this for you and it does this for you you know is there your is there a way that you approach a new technology one solid message that you've been able to integrate yeah the number one thing that matters for our customers and if you go to scytherobotics.com, it's the headline
0: message is get more work done with the crew you already have that is it Um, The environmental bits are a nice knock-on bit. The cost efficiencies are, you know, a sweetener there. But really it's about getting more work done with the crew that they already have. Yeah,
1: and they can understand – especially because now that you've explained that you're really targeting the larger uh, operations – uh, and you could go to a CFO, for example, right, yep. uh, to, to make this at least initiate the sale. Yeah,
0: and they, they all know that their limiting factor in the growth of their business is how people. many more people they can bring in. They yeah. all have more contracts available to them than wow. they have jobs. Many of them don't have enough people to even get the jobs done to the quality of care that they committed to. Hmm. We had one partner who was afraid of losing a particular contract because they just, they didn't have the people to really care for this particular property really well. The account manager would hide from the property manager. He'd try and drive by really quickly to get out of there because he didn't like that. Once they started putting our machine onto that property, it's now become actually one of their best relationships, one of their sort of flagship properties where the account manager and the property manager get along really well. They're excited to work together. They might expand within that account even because they finally have the time. Their guy, you know, even just freeing up half an hour a day allows their guy to go pick up the trash, to do the edging that he couldn't do, to, you know, pick little bits of, uh, you know, dead heads, the flowers, to pull the dead buds yeah, off. Yeah. All of those little things that they couldn't do before because they were so rushed to get in and out of that property, mm-hmm. allow them to now take on another property,
1: yeah, um, you yeah. know, split that crew in half and let that other half go do more work. Yeah, so before we move into wrap up, let me just make sure I understand completely. So, you know, when, you, when uh, one of your customers arrives at a site, the, the mower, they back the mower out and basically they just push the on button or has it, do you have to pre-program? Does it have to do some setup work quite a bit? And then every time it goes back to that property it already knows. Yeah. It's, it's
0: much like you described. So the first time any M.52 goes to a new property, they'll just drive it, uh, because it's, it's a manually operatable machine. It's a stand on mower as well as an autonomous mower. They'll drive it around the perimeter of each contiguous mobile area. So the you know soccer field, the northwest corner of the campus, the parking lot, whatever the park. You're not mowing um,
1: parking lots, are you? No. But that, there's,
0: <laughs> yeah. there's lots of grass uh, yeah. around parking lots. Yeah. Um, they'll drive it around the perimeter, trace that boundary, and uh, M.52 yeah. will record that and share that with all the other units in that customer's fleet. So when anytime any M.52 oh, shows up yeah, to that yeah, property... Yeah. Like, they, like you said, they take it off the trailer, put it in the field, choose the direction they want it to stripe, the height mm-hmm. they want it to cut at, and then hit go. It gives them a five-second countdown. They walk away and it takes off cool. and, and does the work while they cool. do the edging and everything.
1: So what's the competitive landscape looking like? I mean, I would think that, I mean, you've got a very compelling offering. Uh, so I would think you've got the big guys are looking at this saying, yeah, we got to jump right in. Yeah, well, thanks for that.
0: Uh, Cop. All of the everyone in this industry knows this is the future. They know battery electric and they know autonomy yeah. is coming. Um all of the big OEMs are interested in that. Some of them are making <clears throat> some of them are making more moves towards this than others. And there's a couple, you know, other emerging brands in the space who are doing sort of retrofit type approaches yeah, where they yeah. strap sensors onto it. But Yeah, we're... but I get
1: your I get your idea of building from the ground up because the if it's an integrated product, you'd know it's gonna yeah, work exactly. more reliably and yeah.
0: And and really, we're the only ones who can design for something to last that much longer because we charge differently, because it's all mm-hmm. integrated.
1: I, yeah. I would think that um, the idea of pay-as-you-go um, is quite compelling. And I... I you know, the, the big guys are going to have to get their head around that. Yeah, it's it's going to
0: be a tough challenge if they want to follow that because yeah. they've got these dealership models that's that right. survive
1: on parts yeah. and service. Yeah. And,
0: and it just yeah, 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 is yeah. really hard to retrofit that. Sure. Although I'm model. sure they
1: could figure out some kind of finance model. You know, they're doing it now. They're leasing. You know, the, They're quite good at financing, uh, yeah, that's for sure. You know, they got leasing that uh, creates a stream of flow as yep. opposed to just buying up front. Anyway, um, you've mentioned um, that you have the best partners in VC you know, why is that? Why do you feel that way? You know,
0: we've raised uh, a few rounds of funding to date, really enjoyed working with all of our investors from Mm. Rohit Sharma at True Ventures, who's backed a number of robotics companies, has deep experience in the space Mm. to Lucy at inspired capital out of New York, who's been an amazing board member for the last couple of years since our series a incredibly empathetic individual with a great operational eye. So we've created this sort of diverse set of, uh, perspectives that help us at Scythe to navigate this sort of new landscape, if you will, uh, that we're tackling.
1: That's cool. Now, empathetic. I don't hear that a lot. Uh,
0: it's often a rare quality in investors. So we're lucky to have her.
1: Can you think of an example of that you know, when you mention her as empathetic, can you think of an example?
0: All all startups are a roller coaster. Uh, anyone who tells you that it's you know straight up and to the right all the time is is lying to your face. And and so having a partner along who understands that journey and who understands that there are going to be good days and there are going to be less good days uh, is incredibly invaluable.
1: Yeah, you know, it makes me think though. It's like with the kind of it, it seems like you've got tremendous upside. And so, you know, it's almost in the best interest of a VC to like, you know, to be empathetic, to encourage, to help be supportive, you, would think so. you know? You would yeah. think so.
0: Uh, some take a, a shorter term view, even, even though we're all playing a very long game together. And, and Lucy was the COO and one of the co-founders of Paperless Post out in New York. So she's been through this startup journey, yeah. uh,
1: grew Paperless Post to quite a large size before uh, helping start Inspired. Well, I, I had this question too I was wondering about. You know, getting back to the and you don't call it pay as you go; you call it pay as you mow, which is the model. And I think it's super cool. But I, so you've you're creating the shared goal with your customers. You're aligning with your customers. Your success is dependent on theirs, and vice versa. How do you think that impacts your company's culture? I mean, internal.
0: Yeah, you know, we've put a lot of effort into making sure we break down silos within the company and that we share knowledge really freely and and align every part of the business from hardware to software and, you know, out to operations. And so having this shared incentive with the customer, it just takes that one step further. So the customer wins when, you know, the field team wins, wins when the software team is doing their best work and that's when the hardware team is doing their best work. So I think that's really important to have this sort of one scythe mentality that we are all in this together and that the sum really is greater, sorry, the the whole is greater than yeah. the sum of its parts.
1: Yeah. I would, I would just, as I was contemplating this, I was thinking too, how, how much gratifying, how much it would feel gratifying to an employee who knows that, that your success is intertwined with your customers.
0: Yeah. It's a really powerful uh, piece of the business, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, you've gotten a lot of press, a lot of attention, which is super cool. What Billy's you- done a great job. Yeah. Well, I understand he launched even before he came on board. So he's just kind of riding in the the wake of this. I'm looking at Billy now. He's nodding. Yeah. We we did. We we wanted to make sure we understood
0: the pain of running a marketing operation before we added somebody in to actually do it for us so that we were (laughs) really committed to never having to do it ourselves again. And Billy has picked up where we left off and run with it uh, and really knocked it out of the park.
1: That's cool. But now what do you do? I mean, you're already... You know, what I read recently is that you've got 7,000 units on back order. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Somewhere around 7,200. So think what today. do you want
1: to, like, so you get more press, you get more marketing. What good does that do you if you can't actually get out in the field? You know, we want our customers to
0: understand the excitement around Scythe, all of the progress we're making, make sure they stay informed about, uh, you know, us bringing these machines to market. It's, it's we don't want them to go, uh, to feel like they're in the dark for a couple of years while we ramp is up Is that what production. it's going to take?
1: It will, yeah. Like if if I've got an order and I'm in somewhere in the middle of the pack, it could take me a year or two to get it. Oh, it'll take three or four years. Wow! So you must be nurt- you're in
0: the middle of the pack a couple of years. Yeah, but you must be Billy nurturing might be them over
1: and, there. You must be <laughs> nurturing them and loving them and talking to them. And I mean, you know, you've got to like. We're in the middle of
0: conference season right now, and we just had one a couple of weeks ago. It's great to see them again to get to show off the latest version of the machine that they maybe haven't seen. Tell them about our production ramp.
1: So this is like a. Multi-year love, show your customer the love before they can
0: even give you any money. Yeah, we're doing a lot of demo days so folks can come out and see them. We're putting machines in early customer hands now in Texas and Florida. And really Mm -hmm. what we're doing is focusing on a couple of key areas to make sure that the machine is great before we start scaling nationally. Mm. Because the last thing we want to do is put a robot out there that isn't meeting the needs of our customers.
1: Yeah, but I'm just... I'm just fascinated by the challenge of taking this many pre-orders and just not being able to do anything with them other than show love and talk and share. And we want to keep them excited and we
0: we want to reward them. You know, they, by making these reservations, they're getting their spot in line so that they can be. Prioritized in their region when yeah, we start yeah. to roll out.
1: I can see that, but it, you know, this is not exactly Match.com. It's like, you know, if somebody you push somebody's button, like you want to match, they say, "Yeah, I'm three years out from my dates." Like, no. Yep. So while well, their labor crisis is not yeah. going away,
0: and nobody else is going to uh, yeah, ramp up production like this, you know, I, I yeah. think one of the key things here is even if a traditional incumbent OEM were able tomorrow to say, "We've got a autonomous robotic mower that," you know is just as good as sites it would take them years to ramp up their production because what we're building is not a gas mower that is exactly like all of the other production processes that yeah. they have it's got batteries which is a big difference it's got these cameras that require really sensitive calibration and it's mm-hmm. just an entirely different process but, so yeah
1: by the way are are most of the components are they you know, essentially products you can buy from, you know, electronics distributors? Not, that- not so much. <laughs> no, really? Is it really most well, of we've, these? Are- we've done
0: them- a lot of in-house design uh, from the ground up, from all of, almost all of the, the, the sensors, boards the sensors, cam- the cameras, the boards too. Oh, a lot of, we've got an amazing team of uh, three electrical engineers who've wow. been designing all of the PCBs within the machine. Even the cameras are custom. The motors are semi-custom. Mm. The motor controllers we've designed Really closely with partners, all of this, because it has to
1: work together, yeah, you can need a lot of money
0: it's been uh, we've had an amazing team that's been really scrappy, really effective at a small size, uh, and we've had great partners who have put uh you know eighteen and a half million dollars into the business so far and and gotten us
1: to this place that's cool now you live outside Boulder uh, with your wife on a small farm. Uh it sounds
0: recently became a much larger farm. But yes, why is that? We just moved up to Loveland. My wife runs a horse training business Ah. and so uh we went to get a a larger space where she could keep all the critters and her clients uh on the property. That's cool. I mean it does
1: sound kinda like a bucolic setting that doesn't exactly match up with the mentality of a startup entrepreneur.
0: It's uh, it's nice to be able to unplug and go home and and you know look at horse hor- manure yeah look at the horses out the window and uh, hear the goats yelling for more hay
1: that's cool yeah Do, I mean does it actually let you sort of look out smell the hay smell the manure and all it just does it help you unwind
0: oh absolutely
1: I would think so
0: and I think being here in Colorado just generally even you know even if you live in downtown Boulder and you're amongst the you know not that big of a city but the bustle of downtown Boulder, it's so easy to escape and get into the mountains, go mountain biking, hiking, climbing, whatever your jam is. And and that's what we love about being here is we've got a team that is really invested in protecting the outdoors, loves the outdoors and being outdoors and being able to escape for the weekend, I think helps our team recharge and, and do the amazing work that they have.
1: That's cool. Now, uh, I, I realize you, you know, can't even keep up with your pre-orders at this point. Um, But you must, and certainly your your investors must see lots of other opportunities beyond lawnmowers. I mean, I was thinking about things like, you know, raking, aerating, fertilizing. Um, Absolutely. I wondered even about like the next Zamboni. So so, I mean, (laughs) yeah, for our Canadian expansion. Yeah. There you go. So I just, I just like, what is next for you guys?
0: Yeah. So we're really focused on M.52 today. I think a, a I think a stumbling block for a lot of startups is going too broad, too early. And so we're going to scale M.52 and the software services that support it before we look elsewhere. But we'll probably go next to a smaller size mower, you know, something Mm -hmm. that allows our customers to do smaller areas, start to get into residential properties with it rather than just the larger Mm -hmm. commercial. And then start to look at different implements. So like you said, aeration, leaf removal, uh, cedar sprayers for chemical applications or Mm -hmm. seeding. um, And... Then start even to look beyond just the landscaping work that's done into sort of more of the construction side or even into agriculture, expand into different mm-hmm. verticals where the off road autonomy stack, you know, knowing what's around you, where yeah. you're moving, is very similar. There's a lot of mowing, for instance, done in orchards. Uh, cedar sprayers uh, look fairly similar in landscaping mm-hmm. versus in agriculture. And so hmm. this core technology and knowledge yeah. that we're building will help us to go across not just all of the work that landscapers need done, but even beyond that.
1: That's super cool. It makes me think that, like, you know, you're really only limited by funding. I mean, you know, I mean, the more I, money you have, the better you could scale, right? Yeah, I
0: mean, we've, we've got a big challenge ahead of us. The team's doing a great job of learning and adapting really quickly. And so we want to get fifty two out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think one of the main limiting things for robotics overall, if you look at all of the applications of robotics, is... Sort of the Google AdWords of the robotic space. You know, I think in in the early two thousands, Google really struck gold with AdWords and, and figuring out how to make money off of something that wasn't very sexy. You know, mm-hmm. advertise text yeah, advertisements, yeah. but allowed them to get into all of the hundreds of things that they do today. And, and we can discuss whether that's good or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it. You know, you can't argue that AdWords has not funded uh, a really interesting expansion of web technologies. Yeah. Um, from Gmail to
1: you know and, GCal and the to the parallel. The parallel here is the autonomous autonomous mowing. It's not the sexiest, control, but it's thing autonomous you've ever controlling done. of a of a vehicle within a reasonable safety constraint right yep. i mean yeah that's sort of yeah. the, that's
0: the underlying technology but the mowing can really you know there's so much mowing done in this country it's so necessary to get uh those people yeah. off those mowers doing other things that we can fund all of these more you know quote interesting mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. applications from getting m.52 and you know an m.30 a, a smaller mower yeah. out yeah. there um using the same technologies.
1: cool yeah. Well, it does. Excited. It does. Yeah, it does make me think about all the different cool stuff you could be doing as you scale. So, but I'm going to wrap up. Awesome. Yeah. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Jack Morrison, founder and CEO of Colorado-based Site, actually co-founder. Right. You had yep. Three of
0: you. Yep. We got two two great co-founders.
1: Been with me for four years now, and
0: uh, here's to many more.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you joined on ProCo 360. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Dave. This been great. Yeah, and I, I hope that you had enough fun to have one of those newer small mowers delivered to me. This idea of, uh, what do you call it, low-value work? I've tried to explain that to my wife. I just need one of those mowers in my house. Listeners, glad you're here on ProCo 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests be successful anywhere and choose Colorado you make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo 360 podcast and if you haven't yet it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app thanks again to show sponsors kinsley meetings via technologies and colorado biz magazine that's a wrap live work love colorado